Brandon Brands. Hey, this is Dorothy Ilson from Needles Eye Media. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. We have another great show for you today. I'm excited because a lot of you out there have questions about Facebook. And the person, the guest that we have today, Dorothy Ilson, has a lot to say on that topic. I'm not only excited because I'm bringing you an expert, but I'm I'm bringing you someone that I've met in person that I know is legit. And not only is an expert on this topic, also is an entrepreneur like you, has started her own digital agency, which is super successful and is out there doing good. She's got a podcast called Do Well and Do Good. She gives back. So she's an overall good person and brings the knowledge. And you'll see some of that today. I dig in and ask her about her core lessons for people who are either refreshing their Facebook campaigns or getting started for the first time. And she tells you what to focus on, gives you those priorities right off the bat so you don't waste your time. As always, if you guys want to get involved, uh, join the community. I have a community on Facebook called the Brand Growth Community for Entrepreneurs. And you just go to brandonbrands.com forward slash FB for Facebook and ask to join and I'll let you in and you can be a part of that community. With that, you can sign up and reach out and talk to me directly and we'll uh, set up a time to, for a call. So love to hear from you. Like, Love to talk to people that are listening and hope that this brings you value. Uh, let's get into the show. Brandon Brand. All right, let's get into the show. Today, I'm very excited to bring you Dorothy Ilson. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Brandon. So excited to be here. Yeah. And it's always nice when you get to interview someone that you've actually met in real life. Uh, That doesn't always get to be the opportunity. Sometimes you talk to them first and then meet them later. But it was excellent getting to meet you in Thailand for that mastermind retreat, which is actually how we met. And uh, while there and also within that group, you tend to, you know, you were speaking regularly once a week, like with Facebook lives, talking about how to run Facebook ads and coaching in that way, but you don't just teach. You're a speaker. You have a successful digital agency. You have a, you host a podcast. So what I consider a perfect guest, because I love marketing experts and I love people that can actually, that are used to being you know, on air, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you tend to focus on with your content and within your business. Thank you. First of all, that's so kind. And I completely agree. I mean, getting to know you in Thailand... I was just blown away by your knowledge and experience on branding. And I learned so much from you. So really excited to, uh, to be here. So 
Um, for me, there's really two sides to, to what I do. I have my digital agency, which is called Needles Eye Media. And it's funny that I'm on this show because I'm actually going to be going through a big rebrand with that business um, later this year. Um, but uh, that agency, it's full service ads management, primarily for Facebook ads, but we also do work with Google platforms with my clients as well. And um, that business, you know, not only are we doing full service ads management, but I also do a lot of consulting with that as well. So for example, you know, I will go into businesses that, you know, maybe have not done paid traffic in the past and want to get their bases covered. I'll help them set up their basic campaigns, which we can talk about, you know, what those should be for, for everyone listening. Uh, and then I'll actually train their team on how to manage it, how to run it so that they can be self-sufficient in that sense with at least what I consider to be the low-hanging fruit of paid traffic versus my full service ads management clients. Those are typically businesses that are already spending at least $10,000 a month or so on ads and want to scale that up um, dramatically. And I help them to do that. So that's the agency. And then I also have, as you mentioned, a podcast called Do Well and Do Good. And really the, the podcast is is primarily about money mindset for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. So I think that you know a lot of us grow up with these limiting beliefs around money and a mindset around money that really doesn't serve us when it comes to you know actually growing a business and and creating true wealth in our lives. And I think part of that is this feeling that you know if you have a lot of money, it makes you a bad person or it makes you greedy or or whatever. Even if we don't believe these things consciously. Their subconscious patterns of thinking that are, you know, really driving our actions and, and leading to a lot of self-sabotage, things like that. So I really help entrepreneurs with that podcast to help to overcome those limiting beliefs, fix their mindset, um, and then highlight the way that doing so actually allows you to go out and make a greater positive impact on the world and and really have a dramatic impact on you know causes that are meaningful to you or whatever it is that the legacy that you want to leave. So um, those are really the the two sides to uh, to what I do. Now when you talk about because when I when I was getting to know you, uh, you you dive really deep in terms of like expert opinions on how to get Facebook uh, working for you. And and you also talk about this thing called paid traffic. Can you explain is it the same thing or what do you when you talk about paid traffic, what does that mean to the average entrepreneur out there? Great question. So paid traffic is truly just any traffic that you pay for. So you know, you have people coming to your website, entering your funnel. You know, maybe they are searching you on Google and finding you that way. That would be you know, organic traffic, people who are hearing about you and just going straight to your site somehow. Any traffic that you actually are spending money to obtain, that is paid traffic. So it would include Facebook ads, um, you know, AdWords, uh, YouTube, you know, any sort of you know actual ads, Twitter ads, Quora ads, you know, anything. Um, but it could also be you know paid email blasts, or um, you know, there's there's a lot of different um, you know more more niche. Uh, you know, options when it comes to paid traffic. But when I say it, I'm generally talking about the the major ad platforms that that everyone is familiar with, Facebook, Google, um, you know, Instagram. Right. So, so all the ways that you can get people to your, the place you're trying to drive them, which might be your website, it might be your Facebook page, it might be something else, but how to get the people there uh, that you're looking for, your, your potential customers. Exactly. Now, I do, I, I am going to, 
ask you for some Facebook tips later on. So that's coming guys, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are either starting for the first time with, you know, paid traffic and, and running Facebook ads and hiring their first digital agency or, and all that. So we'll dive into some of that, but I do want to get to know you a little bit better overall and ask some of the questions about kind of how you got to where you are today. What I want to start with first is, well, and you might not know this, uh, but we do have something in common. And that is that we both explored accounting a little bit. When I was in college, I took a accounting class and then I took an internship over the summer working as a bookkeeper for an accountant which made me ace the class. But then I also realized this is not the job for me. And it seems like you had a a kind of similar uh, kind of figuring out for yourself in terms of where you wanted to go with your career. Tell us a little bit more about that. I did for sure. So, you know, I really had a very stereotypical view of what success was going to mean for me in my life. And so when I was going into college, I was thinking, you know, okay, what are, what are some hard skills that I could acquire? What's something that I could study that would lead to quote unquote, secure, successful career um, that would create the, the income and the, and the life that I wanted or thought that I wanted at the time. And so I went down the road of, of accounting and finance. I double majored in those two subjects. And my whole goal uh, as I went through college was to ultimately get a job with one of the big four accounting firms. And so I did my internship at PwC and accepted a full-time job offer with them going into my senior year. And then what happened was I was, I was essentially introduced to this whole world of personal development. And it really just flipped my world on its head, right? So I started to really just expand my thinking around what was possible in my life and ask myself the question, you know, was accounting just going to make me secure and quote unquote successful or was it actually going to make me happy? And many people love accounting. It just wasn't, that wasn't me. I was doing it, you know, as a means to an end, right? And so... I finally decided, you know, this this isn't what I want to do. You know, I don't want to work in a job that I tolerate or dislike in exchange for a pay, you know, a paycheck. I want to create a life that that really lights me up, you know, that that I'm excited about and um and that's going to give me everything that I want. Um, you know, not just this very stereotypical old school view of of success. And so I ended up uh, two weeks after graduation calling up PwC and telling them that I wasn't coming. It was a pretty scary leap, but I had confidence in myself really that I would be able to figure it out. And so I ended up um, moving to Chicago anyway. I already had an apartment and roommates and all that. Um, And so I ended up landing at a startup here in Chicago which really was just an unbelievable experience for me. I spent three and a half years there. I was their third employee. And I got to watch that business and be a part of scaling that business from nothing to $6 million a year in annual revenue over the course of those three years. And we did that almost entirely off the back of Facebook ads. So um, logically, when, when I decided it was time to leave that startup, I began my agency to help other businesses to do the same thing. I always find it interesting to hear. I think so many people have different roads they end up taking to, and, and then sometimes end up in digital marketing, but it's, it's never always the same road. You know, I came in through the agency road uh, and you came in through, you know, working actually in a business that, you know, you got to see day to day what was happening 
and what worked and what did it. And that's always interesting to see, you know, all the different backgrounds. And then, you know, how did you find training out there that got you, you know, the skills that you needed to, to help this business? I actually did. We had an agency at that startup that ran our our Facebook ads. So I was not, you know, the person who was actually doing that. I I wore a lot of hats at that business, um, you know, as people tend to do in startups. And so what was great about that was I was able to really get experience and, and taste a lot of different areas of marketing. And so, you know, I coming from this, you know, finance and accounting background, I'm definitely more of a, a data person than a creative. And what I came to understand is that being able to successfully run digital advertising is way more about your ability to understand the numbers and understand what the data is telling you to do than it is about the creative side. Obviously, that's important. Um, and that's, that's a massive piece that you know, if, if you have terrible copy, you know, if you don't have good creatives, you're not going to be able to sell. But I think the piece that people are often missing is this, this idea of making decisions from the perspective of what is the data telling me to do here versus you know a lot of people tend to make very emotional decisions when it comes to their traffic that that can really you know kind of run you into the ground quickly and so that was something that you know I really enjoyed and when I was looking at this idea of you know starting my own business doing something on my own facebook ads it just it felt like a really natural next step for me um felt like something that that I would really be good at. And because I was coming at it from this perspective of really understanding the data, that allowed me to get great results for my clients very quickly, um, which led to referrals. And my business really, really grew from there. Now, I mean, how did you grow that business so fast? There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are figuring out how to start their business. Some of them are in marketing, some of them are doing other things. But what was the catalyst? How'd you get that first client? The Biggest thing that has helped me, not just in starting my agency, but in a lot of different areas, is being able to look at, you know, okay, I have this goal. You know, I, I want to build an agency. I don't know how to build an agency. So I could fumble around on my own and, you know, try to just figure it out. Or I could go learn from someone who has been there and done that and really shortcut that process to, to a large degree. So that's what I did. I actually, you know, hired a coach um, who I really worked with hand in hand when it came to not only you know how to grow my agency, but also how to get phenomenal results for my clients. And because I, you know, I actually really worked with this person one on one for for a full year, the first year that I was running my agency, and that was what allowed me to, you know, to really grow. And my first client, I got clients in the beginning from really just tapping my network, you know, reaching out to everyone that I'd come in contact with, you know, over the last few years and and tell them what I was doing. You know, I'm starting an agency, I'm looking for clients. Who do you know who, you know, you might be able to connect me with? And I think so often, you know, we're scared to really get loud about what we're doing until we feel like we've achieved some degree of success. You know, we've we've kind of started to make it. And I think you really need to let your ego quiet down a little bit and and just have the the guts to to ask for help and to tell people, you know, you're looking you're looking for referrals, you know, who do you know who I could speak to. So, um so that was a big thing. I also used Upwork in the beginning um very successfully. I think a lot of people believe that pl- platforms like Upwork it's only, you know, 
low, cheap kind of clients, not really good clients that you would want. That's actually not really true. I mean, there is a lot of that, but there are some... I actually have some clients that I got from Upwork um, in the very beginning who I've been working with for the last couple of years um, consistently and they're phenomenal clients. So, you know, the people that go to Upwork are really people who don't have the network to to find a referral, which is typically how people find an agency. Um, and so as long as you're able to, you know, kind of dig through everything there and, and find the right people, if, you know, you don't have any other way to get clients, that's a phenomenal place to start in the beginning. Yeah. And Upwork is a, a site for freelancers and finding people to hire for project by project type Type work, not a sponsor, but uh, you know, we'd welcome that. Uh, you know, and there's lots of sites like that that, especially if you're getting started out, great to hire. You know, one-off people for projects if you don't have someone full time. Question on that. So, do you remember the feeling you had getting your first dollar for this business that you were starting to build on your own? Do you tell me what that was like? Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I can I can truly like transport myself there right now. I remember exactly where I was sitting and and what day of the week it was. I mean, there's there's nothing like that feeling, you know. And where were you? So I was actually home. I was visiting my parents. I forget what for. So I was home in Cleveland in my parents' house and working from uh from my dad's office. And I remember just just really feeling this this feeling of elation and and also this responsibility right because you know once you actually get that first client you're excited about it but now you have to deliver right so you know you really need to have confidence in in your skills and in your ability to do what you have said that you're going to do because really i believe the best way to build a business is by creating raving fans out of your clients and customers who are then going to tell people about you and so you know while running paid traffic is what I do every single day. Um, I actually have not... I really haven't spent a dollar on advertising for my own agency because I have been able to to really build off of referrals and have people coming to me, which I think is something that every business should strive for. And then use paid traffic as leverage. I'm in a unique situation where you know I can only have so many clients at at one time, but I definitely think if you're in the service uh, service industry of any kind, um, you know it's not just about getting clients; it's about delivering to an extremely high level so that those clients are going to keep coming and coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, exceeding expectations every time, right? That's that's the key to any service business for sure. And that was fun for me. So thank thank you for, for taking me down that road. Uh, I think everyone can kind of remember where they are and that feeling they had when their their dreams are validated for that first time. All right. Now let me dive in a little bit to the Facebook marketing expertise and help out some of our entrepreneurs out there. What would you say are some core lessons that the entrepreneurs can take if they're starting Facebook for the first time or they're hiring someone for the first time? What are some core lessons that they can start thinking about right now to make sure that they're getting started off on the right foot? I think for people who are just beginning to implement paid traffic as a part of their marketing strategy, there's this tendency for people to start at the very top of their funnel with cold traffic. So, you know, how do I find people who, you know, have never heard of me and turn them into a customer? But what I would actually recommend is that you you start at the other end. Start at the bottom of the funnel and implement retargeting first. So say, for example, 
you know, you have an e-commerce business, you're selling, you're selling physical products. Um, you know, take those people, first of all, install the Facebook pixel and the Google pixel on your website so that you are tracking this. Even if you aren't going to be running ads, you know, until six months down the line, get your pixels up now so that they will start to collect that data for you. And it will be ready for you when you're using it. You'll have that pixel that has started to learn who converts uh, on your website. And then when you are ready to launch ads, the first people I would start with are the people who are as close to the purchase as possible. So in this e-commerce example, that would be people who have, you know, for example, added products to their cart and initiated checkout, but they didn't actually buy. So how do you put an ad in front of those people to just push them over the finish line? They're right there. They've showed that they're interested and you just need to bring them back. And so once you've done that, well, then you just basically move up your funnel sequentially. So the next group would be, you know, people who added something to their cart, but didn't initiate checkout. Uh, And then, you know, people who visited a product page, but haven't added anything to their cart. Um, And so it works the same with with any kind of funnel. It doesn't have to be e-commerce. Start as close as you can to the sale and build in retargeting at every single step and work your way up. And what that's going to do for you is, first of all, retargeting is going to be the highest ROI campaign for virtually every business. And so what that does is it allows you to get some momentum and, and start bringing in additional revenue from your paid traffic quickly that then you can reinvest those profits into starting to expand out to cold traffic. So it's a little bit of a a mindset flip, but you really want to start at the bottom and work your way up. One thing I would add to that, now that's true regardless of the platform you're talking about. So whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's, you know, display, Instagram, you know, wherever you're running ads, um, you want to do it in that way. So when someone's searching for your business, uh, you likely have somewhere that you would prefer for those people to go, where you want them to land, right? Say you are a digital product business and you're sending traffic to a webinar, right? When people search for the name of your business, you probably want them to go to that webinar registration page to take that next step and go into your funnel. If you're not running any sort of branded search campaigns, then they're probably just going to end up on your homepage where there's lots of distractions, lots of information, and they're probably not going to take that specific action that you want them to take. So running those branded search campaigns allows you to funnel people exactly where you want them to go and also you know, push down anything else that might come up in the results um, you know, that, that you don't want people to go to. Or you might even find that there are competitors who are advertising on your or branded uh, keywords. And so you obviously want to be aware of that and also combat that by, by running your own ad. So to, to, to break it down what I heard, and there's a lot of value in there. So I want to make sure that I capture this. The simplest thing that they can do is to make sure that they are, instead of reaching out to strangers, try to put their ads in front of people that have, have been their customers or have sh- somehow shown interest. And that's, if it's an e-commerce business, sure, they've been to the website. Even if, but, but if it's not an e-commerce business and they have a storefront, that's a good reason to say, hey, how are you collecting data from your customers that are coming into your store, right? Are you, giving, are you asking for their email? Are you somehow getting them to log on to your Wi-Fi? You know, what is, how are you collecting in, you know, data that allows you to then still retarget them later online, right? That's, so this can work for e-commerce and non-e-commerce in both ways. Would you say that's true? 
Exactly. I mean, it works, it works for any business. Of course, if you are a, a brick and mortar, you know, physical business, then it's a little bit harder for you, right? You know, you need to, um, you need to be collecting that data in some way, you know, or I'll give you an example. I, um, I had a client that was a car dealership. And so we would run ads targeting a one mile radius around not only their showroom, but their closest competitors showroom showrooms as well. So, you know, for example, like this was a, a Chevy dealer. So their biggest competitor was a Ford dealership that was, you know, just a couple miles down the road. So we targeted a one mile radius around that Ford dealership so that as people were sitting in their waiting room, you know, waiting for the sales guy to come back and scrolling on Facebook, they're going to see our ad. They're going to see the offer that that we have for them. And so, doing things like that for for physical, you know, retail businesses can be very powerful. Right, and if and there's a lot of businesses that have both. Right, they have a, a storefront and they have a web page. Maybe they're not selling anything on the web page, but it's a good reminder that if they do something on the web page that that helps also capture information, like set up your appointment or whatever it is. Uh, these are all things that you can then later target with ads. And these are all really low hanging fruit. So I, I love that core lesson. And then the second, if I'm capturing that part correctly, the second was more about, uh, remind me, sorry. I've lost so branded search. So this is adver- putting an ad in front of people who are searching for your branded keywords, you know, your business name, your personal name, your product names uh, on Google and putting an ad in front of them as well. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to bring in new people, right? So, so what we're talking about here is, you know, where do you start? Start with retargeting because that is going to be very profitable for you very quickly. And then you move up into cold traffic and bringing in new people into your world. And you already have that retargeting in place, right? So then now anyone new that you're bringing in through your cold traffic campaigns, they are going to be continuously retargeted by those campaigns that you set up first. So that's why it's really important to do it in that order. Right. And what I loved about the second thing that you'd said was, you know, besides finding the people that are searching for the exact idea that maybe you're, you're selling, it's also give them somewhere to go. That's very clean. Give them something. If they've typed in, you know, that they're looking for green cars, take them to a page that says, here's where the green cars are and, and you know, and get rid of all the other information. Not maybe your homepage is a little cluttered and you need to send them to a different page first. Uh, so I like the idea of finding someone who's looking for something specific and sending them somewhere that's directly related to that thing that they're searching for. So I love those two key core lessons for people. And I'll give people one other quick tip. Never, ever, ever send paid traffic directly to your homepage. It's, you always want to have a landing page that is dedicated to that campaign or that traffic. You know, what, what's the one action that you want people to take when they get to your site and have the only option on that landing page be to take that action so that people aren't going to get distracted. Sending people to your homepage is really just flushing money uh, down the toilet in most cases. Awesome. Thank you for that bonus. I love it. So transitioning now into some of the, you know, getting into some of the branding questions here, but I do want to take a step back and ask kind of more a philosophical question for you. Do you believe that branding or selling is more important long-term for a business and why? I absolutely believe that in the long term, branding is more important, right? Your your brand is is really your foundation. It's the thing that people are going to learn to know, to like, to trust, and it's going to position you in the marketplace in a very deliberate way if you're doing it correctly. But that said, 
I don't believe that branding should hold you back from selling, especially in the beginning. I think that far too often um, when people are starting new businesses, they just get so wrapped up in the details of you know the, the branding piece of it that they just keep getting ready to be ready to be ready and they never actually start selling and and start actually generating revenue, which you can then invest into your business and, and into building your brand. So I believe that selling comes first and that you know you you shouldn't let not having you know a, a fancy website or you know or really anything hold you back from just going out and getting your first customer, getting your first client. You know, I I didn't create I didn't even have a website when I got my first client. You know, I I just went out there and I got started and that was what allowed me really the the cash flow to be able to invest into building my brand and to create that. And I even mentioned to you uh, at the beginning of the show that I'm going to be going through a major rebrand um, later this year. And so, you know, your brand also, you know, don't, don't let getting your brand perfect hold you back from building your business. You know, I, I got, you know, a couple years into my agency and I realized, you know, okay, I don't think, I don't think my brand in its current form is what is going to get me to the next level. And so, you know, now I'm able to, to adjust. Um, but, you know, if you, if you, work on getting it perfect in the beginning, you're just never gonna you're never gonna get to that first client because you'll just get so wrapped up in in that perfectionism. So thinking about you know some of your expertise, whether it's Facebook or just pay traffic or social media, uh, what do you think the role of that of that type of uh, media and messaging is in building a business, building a brand? Like why why is that a priority? It comes down to one word. It's leverage. As you're building your brand, you're going to create awareness. People are going to find out about you. They're going to be searching for you. They're going to be going to your website. But the thing is, is that you can't control that to really any fine degree. You know, you can go out and get press and you know, do everything you can, but but it's it's not something that you have direct control over. Paid traffic, though, you have complete control over. You know, you are specifically able to you know put that right message in front of the right person at the right time and to scale that you know as as much as as much as you want as much as you're able as the numbers shake out and so paid traffic is really all about you know how do you get that leverage to be able to you know turn turn open up that faucet and you create that mad rush of traffic coming to your website and then really leveraging the data to be able to grow that and scale that I'd love to draw the distinction between because when we talk about building scale and putting you know ads in front of a bunch of people, the distinction between communicating in a way that you know is good for customers or that they're going to like versus you know spam or something like that. So you know in this world where mass communication is prevalent, where advertising can become very spammy or can interrupt, uh, is there a better way to connect with customers to communicate? Yeah, it's all about providing value, right? So, you know, figure out who really understand your customer, who is your ideal customer and create a an avatar that is so insanely detailed that everyone else on your team thinks that you're you're going batshit crazy. Like you should really get into how that person is thinking, what are their fears, what's keeping them up at night, you know, what what do they dream about? What do they want for their family? You know, what's driving them? Really understand that not only demographic but psychographic profile of your ideal customer and then create 
advertising that speaks to that, that really creates an emotional connection and that is, you know, giving people something that, that they actually want. So, you know, I'll give you an example. A lot of my clients are selling digital products. So, you know, we're talking, you know, 300 to a thousand dollar, um, you know, trainings or courses, um, that kind of thing. And the ads that we run are really all value first. So, you know, how can I teach something? How can I give something? How can I invoke that, you know, human law of reciprocity where, you know, I've, I've given them something so valuable that they want to get more. They want to continue down this path with me. And so, that I think is really key. I mean, when ads get spammy, I'll give you an example. Uh, I actually came across an ad just yesterday that was from a meal delivery company that I have started using. So I have purchased from this company. I am a customer and I am getting ads everywhere, on primarily on Facebook and Instagram that are trying to acquire me as a customer. So first of all, one big mistake there to make sure you're not doing is you, you got to make sure you are excluding your current customers from your cold traffic ads, right? They are paying money to put an ad in front of me, someone who's already on an active subscription. I'm already paying them. I've already become a customer. So that's mistake number one. But the the bigger thing and, and what's relevant here is that it was positioned as content. So it was an ad that was saying, you know, we tried and I won't name the company and shame them, but it was like, we tried XYZ and here's what happened. And so being an advertiser, I'm always curious on what people are doing. So I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, is this going to go to a blog post, you know, testimonials, you know, where's this going to take me? And uh, I clicked on the ad and it just took me straight to, you know, a pricing page, like page of showing their plans. And that's deceptive, right? You know, in your ad, you said, we tried this company and here's what happened. I'm expecting a story. I'm expecting to hear about, you know, the results that someone got, the time that they saved. And so give people what you promise them and make it so valuable that they are going to start to build that no like, and trust factor that's going to lead to a sale. Now, the the idea of this, you know, this customer avatar, this target audience, this, you know, thinking of your person and who trying to figure out who they are. But I want to make sure it's communicated is that doesn't mean have one message that then talks to that one person, right? There's, I think that's where a lot of people get lost is they decide, okay, I, I think I know who my customer is. I've eliminated the waste. And now I'm going to send all of these people that look like this one person, one ad. That to me can also become very spammy or just irrelevant, especially if they're like a current customer that fits that profile. You could still send them something, but the messaging should be slightly different, an upsell, a different, a thank you, whatever the thing is. But talk to me about the difference between one message and one target. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that what you talked about of someone getting like too laser focused and then only talking to one person, I think the bigger danger is on the other side where someone's trying, you know, you're trying to talk to everyone. And so you're really talking to no one. And so if you just by happenstance, the startup that, that I worked for before starting my agency was also a meal delivery company. And so, you know, we had, we actually had a couple different avatars, um, but all of them had that same level of detail. And we did have, you know, our, our one guiding light avatar of, you know, this is our perfect customer. And if that person is, you know, for example, the busy executive who doesn't have time to cook, then we're going to put messages, you know, around, around that pain point in front of those people. But then you have to think, you know, okay, 
who are other people who could really benefit from this service? You know, it's not just busy executives. Maybe it is people who, you know, want healthy food for an elderly parent. What's the message we can put in front of those people and, and what's the targeting going to look like there? Or maybe it's a stay-at-home mom who, you know, wants her kids to eat, you know, really good, healthy, organic food. What's the messaging for that person? So it really is, like you said, about matching the message to the person. And so with these digital tools, we have just such insane capabilities when it comes to targeting. So take advantage of that. You know, make sure that you are tailoring your ad copy specifically to, you know, that that interest, that um, that demographic that you are testing, using those keywords that that person is going to resonate with, you know, really calling out to that person in a very specific way. And that's going to drastically improve your results. And so, you know, I definitely think like that's the place you want to get to. Um, but the the way more common mistake is that people never identify an avatar in the first place. So that's why I really encourage people to start with one, start with your perfect customer, talk to that person, and then expand outwards. Now, have you seen any businesses that you're like, they're doing advertising right? Like this, you know, this feels pretty like the right way to go. If you're looking for an example of, of someone that, that to you as a customer that's been doing, doing it right. Yeah. So, I mean, not surprisingly, digital marketers tend to do their advertising very, very well. Uh, I think, you know, the, the people who do paid traffic, the worst, I would argue, are oftentimes big, you know, national, very well-known brands because they don't need to as intensely as the smaller guys, right? You know, they're really relying on name recognition, on, on brand awareness. So, you know, I wouldn't look to a, you know, a Coca-Cola or something to, to figure out how you should be running your paid traffic. I would look to, um, look to the marketers, you know, look at how people like Frank Kern are running their ads, you know, people like Amy Porterfield, you know, really any of these influencers, Neil Patel, Jason Hornung, Justin Brooke, you know, look at how those businesses are running their ads. And you can truly like go, go look up those people's names, look at their businesses, find their business pages. And then any business page on Facebook, there is a tab now that says info and ads where you can click and you can see all of the active ads that that page is running. So if you really want to, you know, really want to learn how to do it, you know, I would start, go to Frank Kern's business page, look at the ads he's running and you'll see the Facebook lives he's doing see, you know, the content, the value in advance and, and, you know, then go into these people's funnels, you know, go, go look at what they're doing and, and learn from that and figure out, you know, how can I apply this to my own business? Oh, what an amazing hack that is. Not a lot of people, I'm sure, know that if you go to someone's business page, you can click on the tab to see what ads they're running. So that's, that's an awesome little hack for all the entrepreneurs out there. If you're trying to figure out what the competition is up to, if they're up to anything, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great little place to start. I will mention to anyone in the service industry, great, great way to get clients. You know, if you can identify a brand and go look at their ads and identify the things that they are doing poorly, then you could shoot them a, a Loom video and point those things out to them in a very nice way and, and say, you know, these are, these are three things that you, know, you can do immediately to get drastically better ROI on your paid ads. If you'd like to chat more about this, I'm here. So great way to get clients. So on a more personal note, you know, some, you know, getting to know Dorothy a little bit better, what brands are you obsessed with right now? Could be small, could be big, just things that you, that are part of your everyday life that you just are loving right now. 
you know, running two, running two businesses between the podcast and the agency, time is really of the essence for me. And so um, the brands that I'm obsessed with right now are the ones that are making my lives easier. So one that um, I would love to shout out is Moink. So um, it is a, it's basically like ButcherBox. Uh, it's a delivery service for grass-fed, humanely raised um, uh, meat fish. And what I love about Moink is that they they put much more of an emphasis not only on you know all being organic and grass fed, which it absolutely is, but they put more of an emphasis on the the treatment of the animals at this at the farm, making sure you know everything really is humanely raised, um, which is important to me. So that's a brand that I absolutely love. Um, another one that I'll throw out there is um, Ad Skills. So this is a company run by Justin Brooke. It is a training company for marketers. So if you're looking to learn paid traffic, that is an excellent place to start. Um, but he just... Justin really is um, a genius when it comes to marketing. And so I am just constantly obsessed with following everything they're doing and gaining every, every insight that I can. So that's Moink, which it sounds like a combination of Moo and Oink is probably what they're going for there. Yeah. In fact, when you call their customer service line, I, I had to do this a few weeks ago. They literally answer the phone, Moink, Moink, this is o- or Oink, Oink, this is Moink. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, it works. It'll stick in your head a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the other one was Ad Skills, like S-K-I-L-L-S. Got it. One word. Awesome. Thanks for that. And then turning that question a little bit sideways, what brands out there do you trust? I mean, I would definitely say so those same two for sure, but let me think. This always takes people a little longer to answer than the ones that they love. I swear. <laughs> it's the funny because we don't we always start to think about whether it's data or the consistency. There's always something where we start to worry a little bit, like, do I trust them or do I just like them? Yeah. I mean, trust is trust is really about delivering what you promised and and over delivering you're really creating a a delightful customer experience and so you know i would say okay brandon so i'm actually going to take this in probably a different direction than what you're expecting or, or digging for here but the brands that i have the most trust in are actually personal brands that that really resonate with me deeply and that are a big part of my life so there are a couple that that i would point out to you one is um, chris harder's brand so chris has a podcast for the love of money which is very similar to the message of of my show do well and do good but Chris, you know, from being in my in my ears um, so often with his podcast and then following him on social media, the way that he has built his personal brand, it's truly from a place of of value first, of giving, of of creating a relationship with his followers. And so, you know, I think that is really the epitome of trust. Another one that I really have have just grown so in love with is Gerard Adams' personal brand. So you and I actually met Gerard in Thailand on this trip and I started following him. And again, just the the way that he is so genuine with his brand and truly, you know, it just it just comes across so clearly the way that he cares about his audience and cares about helping people. That is another another personal brand that just has really resonated with me and that has shown me, you know, this is how you do it right. This is how you really create trust, create a real relationship with your followers. 
And so I would say, you know, yeah, the brands that I trust the most are the brands built around people that, you know, I want to connect with, be like, learn from and, and grow from. No, I love that. It's, it makes sense, right? We trust people, you know, more than businesses themselves. And I think that's, that's important, especially if there's a face that you, you know, you can talk to a hand that you can shake, that's going to make it a little easier for you to trust. I hear I get local businesses a lot. Like that's, that's an answer that's been coming up because same thing, you can walk in and shake hands uh, or sometimes it's just consistency. You, you know, do you, sometimes people just trust brands that can bring the same level of service every time or the same product delivery every time. I, I have a, a silly one. It's Skippy. Like I, I, you know, I probably eat peanut butter three times a day, every day. And it's not the whole food stuff that's natural and delicious and all that. It's skippy because I grew up with it. And every time it's the same. And I know if it's different, I know if it's the reduced fat, that's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) It's, it's the consistent thing that tastes that I grew up with. It's at home feeling, you know, uh, silly stuff, you know, but it's, it's, I trust that I'm going to get that same thing every time, you know, definitely. Thanks for answering that question and going down that road with me. I'd like to talk a little bit about personal branding. That's been a, a thing that's been becoming a, you know, a buzzword, a topic, but you know, really about reputation. As someone who has built a business around their own, you know, that, that has to lead us, it's a service business. As someone who's had to build that and their own reputation and kind of going through that, what role has personal branding played in the kind of success that, that you've been going through? It's been major. And I think, you know, it's something that I am working on all the time, right? You know, my personal brand, it's it's definitely not there, but it's it's on its way. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, people buy from people. And so as much as you can connect with your customers, create a following, create a community around your personal brand, that is going to play out every single time in the success of your business. I don't know if you had those customers that you've been working with, you know, if you've done a good job for them, uh, what do you want those customers to say about you? I really want to be a person who is always operating out of integrity and to have my clients and my customers really feel that in in working with me. I think, you know, so often agencies get a bad rap because they are, you know, really just trying to collect that retainer and and do as little work as possible, you know, just have some junior media buyer pushing the buttons and, you know, I believe that, you know, there's nothing more important than my reputation in this industry and so really operating out of a place of integrity, you know, being someone who my customers feel that I care about their business deeply. I care about them deeply as people. And, you know, they they know that I'm really bought into their success. I think that's that's really what I would want them to say about me. Yeah, that's awesome. And if people, you know, are resonating with what you're talking about or they want to find you, uh, where are you active? Obviously, Needle's Eye Media uh, is the website, but what is where where are you actually active as a person on social media? Yeah. So Instagram is the best place to connect with me um, at Dorothy Ilson, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-I-L-L-S-O-N. I'm also on Facebook. I don't um, promote as much content there, amazingly. Um, but uh, but I, I am active on Facebook as well. So um, you can connect with me there. You can connect with me on Instagram and I would absolutely love to speak with you. And to, as we wrap this up and we're coming to the final minutes here, I'd love to hear what your your next big audacious goal is to kind of close us out. Yeah. So um, I think for me, it is moving the bulk of my business from full service ads management to more of a consulting um, type of model because that's... I really enjoy teaching. And so that um, 
that product that I mentioned at the beginning of you know going into a business, helping them set up their basic campaigns, and then training their team on how to manage them ongoing. Transitioning my business to doing much more of that is is my big goal for this year. Awesome, awesome. Well, I I'm sure you'll achieve it. And if you ever need anything, obviously I have your back. I'm here for you. Thank you for coming on the show today. It's been awesome. I'm sure anyone who's interested in working and doing some Facebook for the first time has got a lot of value out of today's call. So thank you for so much for coming on today. Thank you, Brandon. It's been so much fun. Brandon Brand. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time today. Hope you found value in our content. If you did, go on to iTunes and leave a rating. And not just a rating, leave a review that really helps with our goal to get up and get into that new and noteworthy section on iTunes. We want to provide value. We want to bring on good guests and you being involved helps. So appreciate your time. Catch you next week. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.